Hello and welcome to First Geek 411, episode 107. I'm your host, Cameron Franklin, and with me, as always, the best man, Chris Nicolay. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's been busy. Yeah? Yeah. We're getting there. We're back to like a news episode for like the first time in a month and a half or something like that. Yeah, so we're kind of throwing out a lot of like the older news that you guys will probably already know about anyway. So just mostly recent things, maybe a few things we forgot to mention. Before we get to that, as always, people can find us on our social media, which is one geek 411 on Facebook, Twitter, and our PlayStation community. They can send us an email at 1stgeek411 at gmail.com. Rate and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Read five-star reviews on the air. And then you can check out the show notes at our website, onegeek411.com. Teaser questions, which we always forget to populate. Some stuff happened in Pokemon Go. A certain console selling a bunch of things. Um, a certain Pokemon trainer finally did something. Um, Just Pokemon get, You'll never style. guess the number of iPhone's latest phone. And... Where are we going next in magic? All this and more. But first, we have to talk about the favorite things that we've been up to this week. Chris, what have you been up to? So this past week, or actually the last couple weeks, really. Um, so last weekend, Borderlands 3 launched. So that copy, my copy arrived. Um, I played like two hours of it this weekend. Yes. It's Borderlands. It's fun. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to playing a little more here and there, but it is still, you know, it's just that's probably my favorite thing about it is it's still just Borderlands. Um, it's definitely on my to buy list. I don't know when I'm gonna get around to it, but it's definitely on my list. Yeah, it's it's doing really well so far. Um, it's nice because like there's more, I guess, aesthetic. Um, diversity amongst like psychos and things like that mm. which is nice so it's not like just psychos and goliaths and mini dudes like there's different actually skins on several of them and it's super nice um but yeah it's a lot of fun i'm playing the uh the beast tamer dude i don't know oh, okay um so he has a little pet and i did that i don't know you just is that flack Sure, FL4K or whatever. Yes, Black. <laughs> the one that doesn't have a human name. Um, and yeah, it's. I'm I'm looking forward to jumping a little deeper into it eventually. But for now, it's just going to be kind of on the back burner. Um, jump on, play a little bit. Um, just accrue a ton of keys in the meantime while they're doing that every day. <laughs> oh yeah. Just, and then once I'm high enough level, just get OP weapons. Um, this week, this Sunday, was also the Pokemon Go Community Day for Turtwig. So I caught a lot of Turtwigs. Um, while everyone else was catching Shinies, I was just catching Turtwigs because I don't have that kind of luck, apparently. You got more Shinies than I did. Yeah, but I also spent three hours trying to do it. This is true. Um, something else... Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, um, actually, way back we had, uh, or Cameron interviewed one of our guests, Sean Lehman, regarding a game. Oh, yeah. 
they released. They also recently, so the Layman family, um, recently started doing a D&D podcast called We're All Doomed. I started listening to that. Um, I recommend checking them out. It's a lot of fun. They're actually pretty short episodes. Um, pretty well edited. I'm definitely enjoying it. Um, they do They do put, it does seem like they're putting a lot of work in it. And the characters are actually really good. It's a lot of fun. So we're all, again, that is We're All Doomed. But that is really about it uh, outside of work and general life things. But yeah, what about you, Cameron? So prior to PAX, I started playing Pyre by Supergiant Games. Um, And so I've still been playing that a bit more. Um, I'm getting pretty far into it. Um, I'm probably in like the last half, last third maybe even. I'm not quite sure. Um, I'm really liking it. It's basically their, like, fantasy sports game. And so um, it's pretty fun. I'm getting to the point in the game where, like, the matches are starting to actually be challenging. And so, like, that's really cool because I've kind of, like, steamrolled up until, like, the past couple. And so now I'm getting to the point where it's like, oh, this is actually difficult. And I actually have to have tactics and stuff like that and balance parties and that kind of tactics. thing. Tactics. And so, um, but yeah, so Pyre, it's really fun. Highly, I love the art style. Um, you have like a wagon that's kind of like Howl's moving castle. And so it like just kind of has a lot of personality and stuff like that. And so. Wait, Howl, Howl's moving castle has personality or did the fire that powers I mean, the castle have personality? I mean, you're right. But just saying. <laughs> you are technically correct, which is the best kind of correct. <laughs> Last night, as of recording, we got together um, for the first time in a couple weeks to play D&D. Um, had a lot of fun with that. And um, we're like high level two, so I, I, we, we might hit level three in our next session, which is all the hype. Um, and then over the weekend, Deanna and I marathoned Dark Crystal. Nice. Age of Resistance. Um, Deanna liked it. I'm kind of medium on it. Are you just not into the puppets? That's a big part of it, yeah. Like, it kind of felt like, like A, I'll say, get this out of the way, this caveat. I cannot believe the amount of work and artistry that goes into that. Like, this is it's an amazing technical work. But I kind of felt like it was just kind of bland because of that. Like, I loved the story. But, like, you don't get as much emotion as you would do in, like, animation or live action. And then the combat's not as interesting. Um, And so it just kind of is that. Like, the story is overall I really liked. I I think it's a cool take on the world. I never saw the movie. But the world itself seems interesting. But I just kind of couldn't get over the the lack of, like, emotion in the characters. Okay. Oh, I guess I should throw out, like, I've been, so, like, I've also recently finished, so I watched the most recent season of 13 Reasons Why. Actually, I think think it's probably one of my favorite seasons. Um, Although, like, I still can't get over, you know, as I get older. It's like, man, teenagers are dumb. Um, (laughs) Tell an adult. (laughs) Come on. Um, Kind of thing. Uh, But, like... There's a lot of good humanizing elements, um, not to excuse past actions or anything like that. But yeah, it just makes you kind of hate teenagers for the most part. But like, there's there's good 
important elements and themes in it. Um, still, it it is can definitely be a triggering show. There's a lot of, you know, you're dealing with a lot of intense things that are very controversial. Um, by today, in any by any standard, I guess. Um, but I mean, it's thirteen reasons why it's it's mm-hmm. still going to be a controversial show. It's, but I mean, I, I enjoyed it for the most part. It's fun, but that's about the only thing I've really done a deep dive into recently, I guess. Um, and that's just because it's easy to put on the background. Well, I guess with that, let's jump into our news segment. Um, as Chris said at the top of the show, we'll be covering kind of a diverse set of stuff with it being a while since we did a news show, but um, also covering some of the more recent updates. And so... Um, before we get going into too much, we have some like sales figure news. Um, and so PlayStation 4 has reached 30 million units in the United States. Um, and then I saw a follow-up report to this. That's one out of 10 people in Britain have a PlayStation 4. Dang. And so like that's a pretty high attach rate. Um, and so that's pretty awesome. And I think, yeah, the U.S., um, Sales account for thirty percent of the total PS4 sales. So that's not surprising. We are their primary market for the PS4, I would say. Um, yeah. And that's just in general. Like console, home consoles do better in the U.S. Right. Then we have some Borderlands Three news. Um, it turns out Chris isn't the only one playing it. What? I thought um, this was like an indie game that I'm like like getting the word out on, you know? Like it wasn't you got to believe like the, it wasn't like one of the largest booths at PAX or didn't have its own dedicated party with lots of marketing put into it or anything like that. <laughs> and so on PC specifically, um, through the Epic Store, Borderlands 3's initial concurrent players are twice as high as the all-time peak for Borderlands 2. And so that's pretty great. Now, admittedly, Borderlands 2 came out seven years ago, so it's not quite like apples right. to apples. But gaming, video games are it's still a, a really now, and especially yeah. with the launch across three platforms, um, the addition of pc right away you know that changes things and a lot more marketing went into this it's borderlands in general has a lot more um hype around it in general um as just a popular franchise Mm now so yeah not surprised also Mm -hmm. i would advise if you plan on getting borderlands 3 no you do not need to have played borderlands or borderlands 2 it you could jump right in it's not dependent lore-wise or story-wise on past knowledge of the previous games. Just a heads up. And then on the Xbox front, Gears 5, um, and this is from an article from Xbox.com, um, Gears 5 has broken the record for biggest launch of an Xbox game studio game this generation, um, with 3 million players opening weekend and it taking the top spot on most played on Xbox, finally dethroning Fortnite. Fortnite. So, so that's pretty cool. Um, I enjoyed Gears One a lot. 
Um, I had some friends that had an Xbox in college, and we played through all of Gears 1 co-op. But other than that, never really got yeah. into it. Yeah, it was it was all right. It's a it's a good fast paced game. Uh, good for co op, I would say, but definitely fits in the culture of Xbox games, though. I would say. Let's see, and then we got um, Tokyo Game Show is going on. One of the cool things that we got out of that was the new Final Fantasy VII remake trailer that dropped. Chris, I assume like you watched it. Times. I rewatch it like once a day. What is something that just one should just to get hyped? I don't know. This it's like your look, this trailer is amazing. All in all, like we're seeing major iconic scenes um, come through. We're I'm I'm really liking it because we're seeing a further development of other characters. It looks like so we're gonna see more Bigs and Wes and Bigs and Wedge and Jess, especially Jess. I'm excited to see her get some actual development, and they look amazing. Um, they look broody and, um, also we're going to see some amazing interactions. It looks like between, uh, cloud Tifa and Aerith, um, also noted, um, for the English dub, they have, uh, revised the name, um, for the iconic character from, and using the traditional pronunciation of Aerith versus Eris. Um, so that I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm a little bummed because we are going to be stuck in Midgar, so we're not going to see some like all of the major like primary characters. So we're not going to see Red Thirteen. Mm-hmm. We're not going to see um, Kate Sith or Sid um, or anything like that. But man, this is going to be amazing. It looks like we're going to be have more interactions um, with the Turks, and also we get to see a little more from the big kind of, well, I guess in this, it's he is going to be the big baddie Shinra, um, kind of like the evil corporation dude. Um, I am so stoked for this. It, it, it's looking so good. It's gearing up. Yep. I think it's really interesting that we come to like the final fantasy seven remake from like opposite sides. We're like, you're a big final fantasy seven fan. And I, am, I like final fantasy as a whole, but, I never really got into seven specifically. And so I'm watching this trailer and being like, Oh, I recognize a bits of this. Cause I played through about this segment in the game on like the PS one classic. Um, well the digital, not the actual box PlayStation one classic, but when they just put the games up for download. And so, um, I played through probably about the first 10 hours of the game. And so there's bits and pieces of this that I recognize um, I'm really excited th- about the combat system and I'm glad that we got to see Shiva um, in this as well as I think Odin. We see like the, a horse like ride by. I don't know if that's actually Odin. I don't know if Odin's in the game because I never <laughs> got that far, but it looked like Odin to me. And so um, I'm excited. I don't, are they called Eidolons in this game or um, are they at something At least classically else? they've been called summons, but you know, they've always been interchangeable. Um, because mm. the power for summons comes from materia in in Final Fantasy VII, which is a little different. But you know they've always, in general, summons and eidolons are one and the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in right. in the games where they're more traditionally considered eidolons, they you typically see a little more personality from the summons themselves. 
Like you actually get to see mm. um, them interact with things. Whereas in Final Fantasy VII, at least the game, they simply existed. You know, they were powerful spells that you can cast. I gotcha. Um, so that's, I think, like six months away. March 3rd. 3-3, taking the whole week off from work after that. Maybe two. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I don't blame I'm you. I'm so hyped. I'm saving up all my time off. Um, screw March conventions. Final Fantasy VII comes out. <laughs> In other Square news, Dragon Quest, um, the OG games yeah, are coming one, two, to Switch. And three are all coming to Switch. Um, yeah. This is a separate announcement from... So we did get a lot of news um, from the September 4th Nintendo Direct. So this is actually a separate announcement that recently came out, um, which is super exciting. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever wanted to get into the Dragon Quest games, um, you can play some OG stuff on the handheld, which is now, which is perfect. That's exactly where they belong anymore. Um, probably with some minor updates, but still probably just a classic port, which is super cool. But we're also, and along with that, we're also getting the Super Nintendo catalog um, is making its way to the Switch as well for you to play. Yep. And that's a lot of hype. Like, that's a lot of great games that are that are going to be available on Switch. Um, I know Justin from Twitter um, was me uh, messaging me about some games that he was hyped about. And so that's definitely some pretty cool stuff. It's making me a little jealous. Better just get a Switch. Maybe you could even just get the handheld version, Cameron. You don't need to get the whole. But I want to. I want to connect you... it to the TV, though. Okay. Yes. That's you literally what I want to console. do. Mine's rarely docked. Like that's the thing. Like it's. Well, yeah. Well, I want to be able yeah. to. I want the option. I would probably play it in handheld the majority of the time, but. I want the option to connect it to my TV and play Smash Bros with people that come over. People don't come over, Cameron. No, I'm just kidding. They will that's once that's I have Smash Bros. That's why you don't Bros. have parties. That's right. You don't have a Switch. You don't have a staple. You don't, <laughs> don't have a reason yet. Um, also from the Nintendo Direct from the 4th, um, we got the announcement that the Japanese developer Game Freak is not just launching the new Sword and Shield game coming later this year, but coming sooner than that, an entirely original role-playing game called Little Town Hero is set to launch on October 15th, <laughs> which is super cool. I'm like, wait, what? And it looks good. Um, it looks like just a kind of a fun, like lighthearted RPG coming from them. Um, I'm liking the art pieces, like the at least screenshots we've seen so far. Looks interesting for sure. Um, but I didn't know Game Freak made other things. <laughs> Speaking of things, Game Freak, well, has ownership over. The Unova region just came to Pokemon Go, um, adding a bunch of new Pokemon. Um, we've talked about playing at packs and stuff like that um, and so it's pretty great to have a bunch of new pokemon all ready to catch i caught a pat rat I earlier caught, today and it's another um, dumb rat what all did i catch recently that's new i popped pokemon name 05919 
and I got Pokemon name 0495 and Pokemon name 0504. Ooh, my favorite. <laughs> no, there's actually phone legitimately on the struggle bus? issues with the launch. Um, with the launch of the new thing, there is some database issues resulting in when you encounter some of these Pokemon, they may not have their type, like their Pokemon species listed. Um, oh, they done messed up. It, it is happenstance, and it's not your phone. It is just a known issue, um, and hopefully it gets resolved. In the meantime, you might just have to rename your Pokemon to what their actual species is um <laughs> to the whatever is appropriate it's cracking me up when i saw it i was like hey i don't even know what you are by the way 0495 is night snivy yeah. <laughs> that's pokemon that's snivy um oh yeah i came across it today that's pretty cool that you already get a snivy that's definitely not i mean i think we talked about snivy in our episode was it episode 88 where we Maybe. did gen 8 on accident i don't remember and we talked about our favorite pokes and so i don't remember that happened it's in one of the episodes um people can go check it out but with that let's segue into our movies tv and anime news where one of the worst pokemon trainers in the world ash ketchum has finally won a Pokemon League championship after 22 years of being 10 years old. You you know, I, I, he's obviously not the worst because he wins matches. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Like, we've had this discussion before. <laughs> um, yeah. It is annoying that every season he has to relearn typing. Um, <laughs> but you kind of just have to watch it with a grain of salt because it's not made for us. It's made to introduce <laughs> Pokemon to a whole, to the next generation of children. Um, so yeah. I, 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 mean, I have a lot of forgiveness for Ash because <laughs> it's not his fault. It's writers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but all in all, he's right. He's not the best, but he's a good trainer at bonding with his Pokemon and putting yes. him in very adverse situations as a yeah, result. Yeah, he's really good at types. setting off the sprinkler systems. Talking about his first Which should not count and should get him disqualified. Okay. <laughs> Still living in that season. To be enough. fair, I don't know if I ever watched past the gold and silver one. So I mean, I've watched the Alola region um, mostly because I actually really like his uh, new look and stuff. And it was cool like seeing him interact and like travel back to see all his old Pokemon. That was a really good portion of the season. Um, but yes, he is set to finally it for the closing of the sun and moon series of Pokemon. He is set to finally win a Pokemon league championship with also the announcement that upcoming like future series may have major new events happening, such as a new main character. Whoop whoop. Just saying, it's interesting things are happening, okay? Um, things are in the happening. Pokemon world. Um, still stoked for Sword and Shield as a game this fall, but um, it'll be cool to see close and maybe he'll become a like kind of a minor character in the future series, which would be cool. Um, mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what they do with it. For sure. I might watch. Me too. Disney Plus has launched a pilot um, 
in the Netherlands. So people are, you know, getting a want Darn Disney Dutch stuff. getting everything first. Jerks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, right. We're just hiding our jealousy. Yeah. So, yeah, they get it first. And it's, like, launched, like, it. it's not... So I, at first I called it a beta when I was putting this in the notes, but it's, it is literally just a pilot. It's the initial launch of the platform. Um, obviously, they are going to be doing testing and stuff, but it has the majority of like the MCU on the platform in 4K for streaming. Um, it looks... I'm really stoked for this platform to be here. Um, <laughs> also announced something we missed from D23 was the fact that Disney went in talking about uh, Disney Plus announced that they will be releasing episodes episodically every week. Um, so to kind of counteract Netflix's, here's the entire season of something, watch it all at once. They will be doing returning to the more traditional watch, which with a, essentially a simulcast. Um, yeah. And I think I saw somewhere that Netflix might be moving away from the drop all the episodes at once for all their shows and moving into some actually being like weekly episodic. Well, Netflix does weekly episodic other places. Hmm. Just not for us here in America. Oh, okay. I got and you. It, it depends, but for the most part, yes. Every in the U S everything launches at once, but like, uh, like when Violet Evergarden was announced to be on Netflix, um, elsewhere in the world was receiving those episodes as a simulcast um as they were released do more of that especially for anime netflix <laughs> yes please because i like to watch the anime as it comes out sometimes i like to binge watch things <laughs> but when it comes to anime it's like yeah let me watch this episode this week and watch the next one next week um on the plus note netflix at least puts in programming that allow you to skip like the intros so yeah. it's not as annoying to binge watch things <laughs> whereas mm -hmm. like other platforms you don't get that option so you have to, so you rewatch or you have to try to guess where the episode actually starts jump to it but yeah we're rewatching the last airbender series um, i think i mentioned it the last time we did a news episode and man getting that intro every single time yeah yep it's a thing yep that is a terrible thing about binge watching like television shows skip intro thank you yeah <laughs> i would like to do that yep. please um and other nudes news nudes noodles um in other news james bond's uh, next installment no time to die is set to release on april 8th of 2020 so next april um we don't know too much about it mostly want to bring this up because uh the official james bond twitter recently released um some pictures of the cars that are to be featured which are the iconic aston martin db5 and they are gorgeous and i can't wait to see mm -hmm. him in one also because it's james bond woo yeah um i'm i'm liking uh daniel craig's james bond just because we're seeing um kind of the growth of the character actually like have to grow um we have to break away 
as we're either as they're working on breaking away from the traditional womanizer trope um, that the James Con James Bond character has personified in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm happy to see that to keep him relevant. That's kind of how the character itself or the title has to evolve. And it's, it's cool. It's cool to see how they are incorporating, um, I guess, I don't even know what to call that. Modern themes. I don't know. Kind of take shape in modern equality spaces and see how they write the, the supporting characters as a result, especially, um, yeah, which is also why we saw Bond finally fall in love. <laughs> I think, but um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm a kind of a James Bond fan. I just enjoy it. Um, I like seeing cars and action things. It's just like a classic. Yep, there's solid yeah. action movies. Like that's definitely like classic piece with everyone has their favorite, kind of but they are classic action. Very movies. cliche twists and turns at times. Although some you really don't see coming, like they keep things pretty w- well hidden until like the last few minutes. You kind of kind of see it coming, but you don't see it coming throughout the entire movie, which is cool. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. so that has been anything else for movies and ent- entertainment. That's all I got. Um, yep. Yeah, it's I mean, it's kind of one of those when we don't do a new show for so long. Like there's a lot just, of other things, that you know, have everything, happened, but they're not really worth mentioning now because they're already out or like it's such an obscure piece that it's not worth mentioning now because it's okay it's not fresh yeah so with that it's time for the dongle news our favorite segment dongle news I think we all like that. It's all good we got there. Chris, what's happening in (laughs) dongle news? In dongle news, so recently, so officially, we did get the Apple event announcing the new iPhone X1. I'm just kidding. Um, iPhone 11. (laughs) (laughs) Or X plus one. I don't know. Um, The iPhone 11s. um, Sorry, I should say iPhone 11, 11 Pro, and 11 Pro Max. Um, set for release. These, I mean, they're really emphasizing the camera. Um, they showed a lot of great pictures in the event to really push the the new technology with the three cameras on the back of the phone and all the features and diversity that come from from the software attached and everything. Um, all in all, you know, starting price seven hundred dollars. Um, for the iPhone 11 in general, not bad. Not that bad. Um, back, yeah, I mean, for directly Apple. back up to the thousand dollar mark for the iPhone 11 Pro. Um, it's also cool. Like they are finally introducing that Pro moniker to the iPhone line, um, in releasing these. Um, this is also the first time we've also seen them kind of uh, move away from thinner is better and are actually making a slightly bulkier phone to maximize battery life, which is kind of nice to see come from uh, Apple, Um, Mm -hmm. something that Apple's really needed in a while. And yeah, so it's still an iPhone. They did emphasize some of the new features coming to iOS 13, I think. I don't remember. Um, And also they threw out some new iPad, the iPad of 2019 coming. 
Um, all in all, like I will give it. Um, Apple does make some of the most powerful um, mobile chips available um, for devices, which is super cool. It's just whether or not it's necessary for the premium you pay um, for ultimately what you are doing with your phone. Um, mm-hmm. We are, you know, video capture is 4K at, I believe, 60 frames per second, which is really good. Um, so it would be actually a really good phone for if you're a content creator and whatnot. Um, one thing, mm-hmm. uh, we are still stuck in the past using the lightning connector instead of USB-C. Um, we were kind of hoping, we were Gotta hoping that USB-C. Apple would move to the USB-C along with like, just like their iPad line did, just like the MacBooks did, just like so many things have just because all in all, it's more universal thing, but I guess they want to keep selling their patents to cable companies. Um, I don't know. Um, right. That's probably, that's, I mean... Yeah. They want to make you pay the markup for their stuff. Dongles. For their dongles, you um, can call them. But still, it, you know, I, I will say this is probably one of the better things Apple has actually released um, kind of things. But at the same time, we haven't seen exactly what their Android competitors are going to be doing as of yet because that's also what's slated for announcement. So the we do have a Google Pixel event coming um, next month on October 15th, um, which is also the date I will be going to um, to a show that is coming to Helena. Um, yeah. Oh, I thought it'd be like to the Google Pixel oh event. My I was like, what? You <laughs> I was so hyped. I was like, how'd you land that? Why didn't you Crazy. tell me? I would have like called you. And I wouldn't because I wouldn't never normally call you, but it's yeah, like, I, I would have expected about that. this. No, wouldn't that be awesome? But no, uh, <laughs> no, uh, I will be attending a show of uh, postmodern jukebox, and I'm super stoked because they're coming to Helena. Um, they're one of my favorite groups for that same date, just I a do random not know what that is since it matched the date on the show. So I'm just doing that random plug. Um, one of my favorite. Also, when I saw this in the show notes, I was like, Chris, that's in the past. And I forgot still September. It, was, it was still um, September. Coming before My that, bad. we're also getting a Microsoft Surface event set for October 2nd. Um, and I'm pretty stoked to see what um, Microsoft has in store for that. Uh, I don't always expect a lot from the Surface event, except for like cool concept technology that they just because microsoft itself doesn't develop a lot like they do release hardware but the ultimate idea of releasing their hardware is for um proof of concept for other hardware manufacturers to kind of use to see how like their software works which is like one of my favorite things that software that microsoft has been kind of doing as of late um while yes their microsoft uh named devices are phenomenal and i think the service is um kind of becoming the ideal format for what tablet releases look like like if you just look at what apple did with Mm -hmm. the ipad uh announcements at the iphone event is everything's kind of looking like it's going to function they want it to function like a two-on-one or that 
you know that is like the standard thanks to the surface and everything wants to be a surface anymore um and i think part of why apple's doing that is they're trying to attract a lot of designers back to their platform because a lot of designers have been leaving the apple platform in favor of like the microsoft surface devices um which has been kind of pretty cool to see um in a sense that microsoft the is the business pc and then the apple products have always been design oriented um but it's good that uh apple is trying to attract people back especially for on the go editing photo like photographers and things like that to ultimately just utilize something as simple as an ipad for for editing is super cool um but yeah microsoft surface event october 2nd google event october 15th apple's already done with their stuff for the year um getting everything slated for their pre-launch event go stand in line everyone who wants one i'm just um mm-hmm. and yeah that is that is really what you gotta do. news so obviously we'll have more coming up since a lot of things haven't happened as of yet So that brings us into the tangibles, um, our board games and Magic the Gathering segment. Not a ton to talk about in the world of board games. Um, as we discussed in our PAX episode, we didn't really get to play too many at PAX West, um, just for time reasons and stuff like that. Um, but in the world of Magic, we are presently in the, about the middle of the Thrones of Eldraine spoilers. Magic's latest set of Arthurian legend meets Grimm's fairy tales. Um, a bunch of really cool, really flavorful cards. I'm a huge fan of the Gingerbread Men. <laughs> you would be. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of... This is, This set's just amazing. Um, really great cards. Just teasing it for next week. Hopefully we'll have... Um, most of the uh stuff announced by then and we can do a spoiler cast um but we can mention uh some little pieces um we have the adamant mechanic um to kind of like emphasize the monocolor aspect of Mm -hmm. magic whereas where if you spend like three mana of a single color to cast a spell um you get an extra effect um which is kind of cool and the, we have the split cards, the adventure cards um, that are a mm-hmm. instant or sorcery, and then cast as a creature later. Um, and yeah, and also the art in this set is bananas, nice, dumb. It's so cool, and we're seeing like this is the first set that's going to do like the promo packs and stuff, where you're going to have a better chance at getting like the full art pieces and stuff. Uh, the alt art, well, not alt art, but like. Uh, frameless art um, cards and stuff and I'm really excited to see what comes of that and hopefully they keep doing that so you can get additional value out of your packs or anything like that or just have like if you want to invest in a certain card you can go a little farther Mm -hmm. for something that you're going to go all out with Um, yeah super stoked we'll tease it here I have a hot take on adventure for next week adventure's OP and so we have a hot take, hot take. so we'll talk hot about take. it. Is that a hot take? Um, it is a hot take. It's going to be hot and a yeah. take. But also with so. that, we also still are going to be talking about a lot of Magic the Gathering stuff because mm-hmm. the next like, year and a half has been announced. Yep. We got the release of the 2020 sets. 
Um, and we'll throw a link in the show notes to a Hipsters of the Coast article where they kind of break it down. That's kind of where we can get a bit of our summaries from. And so um, in Q1, we're getting Theros Beyond Death. Going to focus on the underworld and perhaps a certain planeswalker that's someone's favorite and has been trapped in that underworld for several years. So What? Hype. So much Ooh. hype. Just kidding. Elspeth, Sun's champion. And so we're also um, in Q2 going to Ikoria, Lair of this Behemoths. This is a new plane. Which is a new... Right? Right. Yeah. Yes. And so, and according to the quote that they pulled out from Mark Rosewater, it's going to have one of the craziest mechanics they've ever made in quite a while. Teased much. And so. Um, also rumored to be so the we're gonna get to plane yeah. that Kyoris from. Mm-hmm. Um, rumored. Yeah. Don't There's know There's a bunch of sure theories yet. going around. So much that. is happening. Yeah. But I'm really liking this, like, return to a plane, new plane, thing we got going mm-hmm. right now um because i love new planes because like it's where like all the crazy creative things come out of um so yeah, yeah it's one of those when there's not rules already established there's just so much room mm-hmm. um to do cool stuff and so then in the summer of 2020 um we're gonna get corset 2021 um i gotta do that year ahead so because it'll stay on the shelves and so it's going to focus on Teferi. And so we'll be getting more him. And then more overpowered in Planeswalker the, Teferi cards. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Dot, dot, dot. And then in the fall, we're going to be getting Zendikar rising. Um, we're going back. Um, we're ready. Are and we? And we're going to be getting Zendikar. You're saying we're ready from Real Drazi. Okay. <laughs> but wait. It's post Eldrazi Zendikar. So um, this is supposed to be a return to what original Zendikar was, which was the adventure themed set with quests and okay. stuff like that. And so more of a D&D analog rather than um, this fighting to save the plane that we had the until last time. Until that they're we just went. like, so. JK, here's Eldrazi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there will still be yeah. some Eldrazi. Here's another Ulamog. I don't think. <laughs> he wasn't dead. Reban. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so those are the latest magic sets. Um, we'll be talking more about them as they come up. Um, and so that pretty much wraps up the tangibles for this week. Um, we'll have some more to talk about soon and all that kind of stuff. And so that brings us into our top three list which are three like IPs or settings you would like to see a tabletop RPG for. And so you can give as much detail as you would want. Um, if you've thought about this as much as I have over the past couple weeks, cause normally we don't have this long. So I feel like I've like dwelled on this a lot more. Yeah. I forgot about um, it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have just had mine like mostly set. So I haven't dwelled on it because I mean, I could have wanted more depth, but like thought about mechanics, but I don't want to do that. I'm not a game designer. So if you would like to start us off, Chris, I have like a list of five. So I'm going to kind of just move list on around. Five. Okay. Yes. Um, so my first I'm only one do three. is one of my favorite IPs from uh, the Sony um, slash Sega cross section of gaming. 
um, which is Valkyria Chronicles. Ooh, um, good choice. Yeah, I I just think this would actually make for a first of all, just in general, it's a turn-based strategy game in general, um, with active moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot you can do in terms of a battle system. And then you also have to incorporate tanks, which is super yep. cool. And like overpowered beings called Valkyria, um, <laughs> which is even bum, cool. Bum, so bum. there's a lot of elements that can go into this. And I think it mm-hmm. just make for a fascinating gameplay, um, especially like when you're already dealing with war themes and everything from the series anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, to get to play a soldier in that series would be would be a fun attachment that you can do and you can go even a little further for like post-war and stuff and see what happens Mm -hmm. i think it'd be really cool to actually see like since at like as a turn-based game your like positioning and your tactics as a whole team like really matter right and so i think it'd be it'd be really cool to see that whereas um i think some other times um D D in particular and like pathfinder all those can kind of just turn into everyone just hit it as hard as you want or as hard as you can but you could actually get like positioning and having to hide behind things and that kind of stuff. And so I like that idea a lot. That's one I had not thought of. Cause I'm that good. Yeah, you are. What's your first one? My first one, um, is going to be persona. I saw that coming. And so <laughs> I am a huge persona five fan. Um, and one of the things that I think would be really cool about persona um, as a tabletop RPG is that it would get you to basically have a excuse for role-playing, but then also have a time where you go and you're ready to fight. You're in the dungeon. Um, and I think that would be a really cool mix where you could actually have the players trying to build their relationships. They could get boosts based on checks um, that would help them help the people in the normal world um, and get to have, personas um and so everybody could design their character as well as the persona behind it um i think that could be really cool um i wouldn't give anyone the power of like joker or you um where you can like change personas but um having everybody have that i think would be a pretty sweet idea and you could get some pretty over-the-top designs going on so chris what do you got for your next one you know just for timeliness um, I would also like to do a Borderlands. Crossing it off my list. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I figure we're going to have some overlap, but it's a good thing you have five. Um, so just because Borderlands is such an interesting world, or at least uh, Pandora is, um, as you're setting out to be for vault hunting, um, it'd be nice to develop your own like class type Mm -hmm. um or even just play as a psycho or something maybe you're uh, a reformed psycho would be hilarious um Mm -hmm. or if someone was going to play claptrap just pick your most annoying friend i guess um i mean like there's so many like class pieces you can do um combat would be interesting everyone's just got gunslingers for the most part or anything like that now we're up to how many different like formal classes with the third installment Mm -hmm. that have Plus the pre-sequel. Right. So just have this like 16 totals so far. Um, There's a lot of character building pieces, but also like you could explore like what it would mean, like live in like such a, um, I guess, steampunk-esque setting. That's very, Mm -hmm. you know, there are no laws um, and kind of how you navigate uh, 
civilization as a result um, would be really cool and a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. My next one fits in really well with this episode we're doing, and that's Pokemon. So I wanted a game that wouldn't necessarily be completely combat focused. And this kind of came through with Persona as well. Um, But that idea of everybody having one or two Pokemon or maybe even being a Pokemon um, a la like mystery dungeon kind of thing. Um, And you could go and you and your Pokemon could work together to overcome challenges. Of course you would have the more tournament style fighting um, from the Pokemon games where it's not necessarily like fights to the death. And so you would get to have, um, the leagues and all that kind of stuff as players work together to, um, bring down challenges. Obviously you'd have to work out a way where people would all be using Pokemon at once, but I think that that's a doable, a doable thing. So Pokemon, what's your last one, Chris? My last one is similar. I was like, ooh, Pokemon would be a good one. But, like, I wanted something a little more classic um, that would fit into the tabletop RPG realm a little more. Um, so I actually went with Nino Kuni. Um, mm, nice. Just because it's more fantastical. The original Nino Kuni um, had very Pokemon-esque elements for your capturing and utilizing, you know, these friends along the way um kind of aspect um but also offers like a more classical um fantasy setting um for for the tabletop RPG. Mm-hmm. so you have magic still you have you know the very fantasy weapon set and everything like that and things of the sort so i thought that would make for a great tabletop rpg and also just in general um seeing more ghibli art is always a, it's always a plus mm-hmm. so for my last one i started off in perhaps a very obvious place and then re- came to a different conclusion and so i started off with magic the gathering but you know like actually the color wheel as opposed to like guild master's guide to ravnica and stuff like that so you would like you as a character at level one would pick a color Um, And maybe there would be, like, classes within that color. So, like, um, a blue mage could have illusion magic or telepathy or air elementals, like that. the different types of magic within those colors. And then as you leveled up, you could either take levels in different colors um, and start mixing and matching classes. um, Or you could, like, branch out into different schools within that color. And... So through that, I came to the conclusion that the reason I thought that system was really cool is because I basically just want a Final Fantasy Tactics role-playing game. (laughs) Like where you have a class system and you have subclasses that you get based on level up and that kind of system. Really, that's just what I want. And so Final Fantasy Tactics, class-based slash shout out to Magic the Gathering where color wheel matters. So So, like I I was leaning like a Final Fantasy Tactics style tabletop RPG just because it's so fitting but Mm -hmm. like I feel like like you can just do that with D&D rule set yep like done like you can just adapt um, your rule set to Final Fantasy Tactics and it's 
it's so easy to do. So I was like, I wanted something where it's like, you actually have to develop some rules for it to fit yeah. classically. Like, where you actually have to develop the R- RPG instead of just doing mm-hmm. kind of homebrew elements of current existing ones. It's right. kind of sort of my mindset for my choices. Um, so like the gun aspect of Borderlands or like incorporating mm-hmm. tanks, like you have to develop a whole new rule set for, for how tanks are going to work in Valkyria. Mm-hmm. Um series um or how you're gonna like with pokemon too you're gonna have to develop rules for how granted you right. can just utilize like the beast master rule set from the druid mm-hmm. um rules for the most yep. part but i mean there's you would definitely have a starting point but you'd still like pokemon would all still have their own unique style based on exactly do they have wings can they burrow underground what type of moves do they have and how are you like... going to adapt the overall combat system to be more more Pokemon battle oriented versus mm-hmm. dungeon crawler. Right. You know? So, I mean like those yeah. things are going to require re like full reworking. Whereas like Final Fantasy tactics, you can, you can make work. Right. And like, I definitely think there's ways to make Final Fantasy tactics and even this version of magic fit within the D and D rule set. But for me, the thing that is different is how the, how like in my head, the class system would be different. Like, in Tactics, your character's classes are so fluid. Right. Like, you're, you have classes based on what race you are, but you're pretty much free to just jump around within them however you please. Yeah, Final Fantasy. And so, like, I think, yeah, I think that would be really cool. And to see that, like, well, how do you balance when somebody, and even Final Fantasy fourteen would work for this. Mm-hmm. Like balancing well when, how do you balance well when characters can just be like, oh, for this battle, we just need an extra tank and I'm going to switch to the Dragoon or whatever. And so like, I think that'd be really interesting to balance overall level with class level. Um, And so, yeah, that's, that's, it's that system that I would like to see reworked where you're not necessarily stuck in with just like a class and subclass. Um, So you want something where you can just like, based on need i mean that would be interesting that's for like really f- I, I think that's a great concept for like a really flexible session like group where mm-hmm. it's like well i can't guarantee that everyone's going to be here for this um kind of thing so you kind of have that flexibility kind yeah. of well i'm going to change um to this for this adventure for this mm-hmm. week's adventure because we're missing whoever or anything it'd be really cool like in terms yep. of a tabletop rpg setting um, yeah. as you're exploring. And I think you would, I think you would see the overall classes a bit more limited. So like, whereas in D and D like wizards have tons and tons of spells that they can learn. I think you would see a lot of classes max out at a, at a fewer number of actions, maybe based on their level or whatever. So you wouldn't have, maybe there would be less overall choice like within the class, but it'd be more of like party composition kind of thing. Right. And so, and like for like a longer running thing, like it'd be a cool, like series, like for like, I guess for like when we go to conventions or something, that'd be a cool format mm-hmm. to be, Hey, by the way, this is a preset thing. Here's like the rules. You can bring your character and jump into a thing and we're going to play through this adventure together, you know, and you mm-hmm. can like have everything monitored online. So it's like, a more of a community oriented like yeah. development like game um so you could jump in and out of games and go do another campaign somewhere mm-hmm. with the same character and you just get this long-running character as you're 
trying to seek and like develop the skills like hey yeah. i need to work on my rogue now or you know that'd be kind of yeah. cool too yeah kind of like D adventure league mm-hmm. where you can you can pop in and out and so you can you can have that to what you just said. You can have like, I'm going to work on my rogue. So I'm going to go and find a lower level group because my rogue isn't as high of level. And so I'm going to go and do that and find a, a different campaign to use. Oh, this campaign's a higher level one where well, I'm going to switch to my time mage because that's my highest one. Right. And or it's so a higher my, level my group character and I'm going to switch in to this there. mediocre one and let you guys uh, grind me up. <laughs> um, <laughs> power level me, up. please. Up. <laughs> Just like in real life MMORPG style game, like <laughs> that would be that'd be interesting for sure. Um. So that's our top three list of IPs that we would be interested in seeing as a tabletop RPG. Listeners, if you have ideas, or if the ones that we mentioned actually exist and we were just too lazy to look them up, let us know. Um, but before we get into how you can do that, Chris, do we have a top three for next week? Yes. I want to do top three mythical pets. Mythical pets? Yep. I, I guess I should say, like, top three familiars, I guess, in more of a sense. Um, who are your top three supporting pets in, like, any series? So whether it be from a movie, specific movie, so, you know. Harry Potter's owl. Mm-hmm. May he rest in peace. Um, Hedwig was a good bird. Yes, he was. Oh, Hedwig. Um, anything of the sort. Pikachu would be, you know, this is all just because of Poke- all the Pokemon news, and I've been playing so much Pokemon Go. I'm like, and right now, like, Phoebus is my pet, like my buddy, which is annoying, but he's shiny, so. Uh, yeah, you do what you got to do. Um, and so I was like, ooh, like, what top three companions it could be even like a specific species like if you are a DD player and you played the beast master or anything like that or mm-hmm. anything like that or specifically from a series like a very specific named um character as well would be fine such as hedwig pikachu anything of the sort um your top three um familiar familiars yeah totes i like it so with that, we're going to wrap up episode 107 of First Geek 411. Listeners, as always, you can find us on social media at OneGeek411, on Facebook, Twitter, and our PlayStation community. And you can shoot us an email with those top three mythical pets familiars or your top three ideas for a tabletop RPG at 1stgeek411 at gmail.com. You can rate and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And then you can check out the show notes at onegeek411.com where you can find our sister podcast, Faith, Trust, and Pixie Dust. And then if you'd like to reach out to us individually, you can do that on our personal social medias. Mine's Humar Whittle. And I'm not so foreign. With a four, just so you know. I love you.